Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Gargoyle Podcast. I'm Nathan, a.k.a. the Gargoyle. And I'm Eric, a.k.a. the Chimerican. And today is day 59 of 60 Days of Halloween. Man, we have reached the penultimate episode <sighs> of Man. 60 Days of Halloween. <laughs> this... And we chose, like, the most disturbingly appropriate movie <laughs> to, uh, to close things out, too. Um, yeah, so we're closing out our fear of being a bad horror movie geek week, and we're closing out the entire 60-day run. It's not the last episode. We're going to do an episode tomorrow uh, looking back on the past 60 days. So kind of like a two-month analysis episode. Kind of, yeah. And then Gargoyle Awards. Yeah. That we're going to... Then we'll have the Gargoyle Awards. Yeah, it's going to be fun. That's uh, w- with the image drawn up by E.B. Tolbert, which is, it is so amazing. disturbingly beautiful. I love, I it. love it so much. Like, man, don't don't let him go. That's all <laughs> I could say. E.B., please don't ever leave us. E.B. B.B. E.B. B.B. 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 I I love the, how that joke is sticking around because it is a terrible <laughs> joke. Our, our listeners have got to love it, right? The worst the worst jokes are the ones that always stick around. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so we're closing out Fear of Being a Bad Horror Movie Geek Week with a Videotrome. Yeah. Why? Wow. Why did we do this to ourselves? I don't know. I'm glad we did, but it, it has caused a lot of, um, of some very intensive self-reflection on uh-huh. <laughs> the way that we have consumed over almost 60 horror movies did, over the past two months. Did, did you get kind of sad watching it? Yeah, a little bit. I, I, was, <laughs> I felt <laughs> more ashamed, really. Maybe that's the appropriate word. More more like a guilty sad. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. I, I guess maybe during the emotional side. Yeah. But we're going to do the same thing that we do with all of the movies uh, that we've been doing reviews on. Prior information, technical components, emotional aspect, rewatchability, and who we recommend it for. Um, yeah, so so I guess let's go ahead and dive into this. What what prior information did you have about Videodrome? So my prior information is basically um, I love David Cronenberg, but I need to see more Cronenberg movies. Um, he's a movie a filmmaker that I really admire. I think he's brilliant. Um, I think The Fly is one of the best horror movies ever made. Like I love that movie so much. But I've only seen like four or five of his movies, and he has like a pretty large body of work. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I've been wanting to watch Videodrome for a while. I'd actually watch started watching it one time when I was in like high school, I think. Um. But I'm pretty sure I was just like, this is too weird for me, and turned it off. <laughs> sure. Um, and that's a little disappointing. I mean, I guess I'm glad that I didn't watch it then because I wouldn't have appreciated it as much as I do now. Um. But yeah, like I knew it was a it's a body horror body horror satire about like. TV and media consumption, and uh, I knew that it has real life sleazebag James Woods playing a sleazy TV exec <laughs> who patches into a sleazy scrambled cable TV channel. Yep. Um, and I knew that there was a stomach vagina. Yeah. So I, I think that everyone knows that. That's the thing. Yeah, I think with Videodrome, if you if you are aware of it, you're probably aware of the fact that there is a stomach vagina. If that's even that's what it's colloquially been referred to as, I don't know. If, I mean, I think that's really what they're tr- what it's trying to be, but it's not oh, yeah. explicitly a vagina necessarily. <laughs> they it's, don't refer it to it. It is graphically that way. explicit, but it look yeah. But they don't refer to it as a vagina. That's just really what it looks like. And obviously, there's there's a lot of sexual imagery in this movie, and they're yeah. clearly that's clearly what they're going with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's about the same as uh, as my prior information. Uh, I I had seen some of Cronenberg stuff. I love his work. I love the style that he puts into his films. I love how he takes body horror and turns it into very thought-provoking 
like almost philosophical yeah with just some over the top like okay you're thinking cool now let me like gross you out and while that's happening also get you to keep thinking and he's he's just a master absolutely yeah. love his work that's why one of the reasons why i can't believe i've waited so long to watch this movie because i'm fascinated by like mass media and the way that it affects society like i'm i got my degree in mass communications because like i just i find it fascinating and so the fact that i haven't seen this movie and that i love cronenberg and i love horror movies like i'm kind of ashamed that i haven't seen this movie until well, now and that's why we put it on fear of being a bad horror yeah, movie geek week this is really one that i really wanted to do yeah for this week like you had mentioned maybe doing scanners at one point and i was like no i want to do videodrome yeah it, it well yeah that's also kind of um embarrassing that we haven't seen scanners either that's true yeah <laughs> But you no, know. we're admitting too much in this episode already. <laughs> eh, whatever. Uh, yeah, so that, that was more prior information. Um, love Cronenberg's work. Haven't seen enough of it. And Stomach Vagina. Yep. That's, I mean, that, that, that was pretty much all that points. you need to know. Um, one other thing with prior information, and we've kind of mentioned this on a few other episodes, not directly relating to the movie, but just where the movie was in uh, in the progression of things. The fact that we watched this at the end of of 60 days of halloween so yeah minus the analysis episodes that's been 52 straight days of of horror movies 50 well again 59 days in a row of horror consumption yeah so that plays in a ton with how i viewed this movie Mm -hmm. it really does yeah yep yeah all right it feels like it feels like a movie that like if this even if it wasn't the last episode i would have watched this movie and been like you know maybe we should take a break like it's a good <laughs> thing we kept it at the end because otherwise we probably wouldn't have made it 60 whole days yeah th- if we had watched this anywhere after day 15 we probably would have taken a break. <laughs> yeah a prolonged break but uh but yeah it's a good thing that we watched this when we we're already planning on taking a little bit of a break yeah definitely yeah. Uh, all right. So what do you think of it from a technical standpoint? I almost don't even like, I don't even really know where to begin. I almost don't even want to talk about it because like, I don't think I can do justice to the sheer enormity of themes and just things that are going on in this movie. Like it is, it's a, it's a small movie and that it's not like a big budget or anything, but it feels gigantic. Yeah. Like there is just so much to parse through. So I'm probably going to be blending the technical and the emotional a little bit. It's kind of difficult not to, because like what I think about it really kind of connects with the way that I have to filter the film through a more modern lens. Um, Yeah. This movie really could have been made like today and been probably even more relevant. No. Yeah. That was when it came out. It came out in 83. Yeah. It's really weird how this movie just seems to get more and more relevant as time goes on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm going to try and just keep it strictly technical for now, but I'll get into the emotional stuff, which is going to be the emotional side is probably going to be bigger than the technical. (laughs) I think on this one, we might cry a little during the emotional side. (laughs) Um, so I'm going to start with the practical effects because this is a body horror movie and holy shit, this movie is insane. Uh huh. Like it is absolutely mind. The one thing, like, first of all, the stomach vagina thing is crazy. Like I don't understand how they did some of those effects like clearly there's like in part of it he's just like in a couch and there's like a thing on top of him but when he's standing up but when he's yeah. standing up yeah like that was crazy i don't understand how they managed to do that and they clearly despite the fact that it's like about video consumption and whatever there's not really a whole lot of 
like video effects or computer graphics in the movie, as far as I could tell, um, other than what you see on the screens in the movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like the, the dedication to practical effects in this movie is very much appreciated. I love the way that the screen stretches out in mm-hmm. certain scenes. Right. That was amazing. Like, and it's, I, I guess that they just used like, I, I, it said that they used dental dam and just had like a project, <laughs> like a rear projector but it's it's pretty seamless. Like I mean, even now when I'm watching that, it looks amazing. Yeah. Um, then you get there's this one scene where I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a part where there is a there's a weapon that like slowly kind of threads itself into um, Max's hand. Yeah, I, I love that scene it so is much. Insane. Like it is so awesome. Um, so yeah, like there's, there's really not quite as much body horror as I expected. Like it's kind of slowly delved out throughout the movie and it's more just toward the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's not as many scenes like throughout, but the scenes are so intense yeah. and so memorable that, yeah, like that, that's part of why even someone who has never seen, um, Videodrome knows stomach vagina. Yeah. Like you, you don't even have to be talking about video drum. If you're just talking to other movie people or like in a theater and blah, 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 stomach vagina. What's that about video drum? Yeah. Like <laughs> people will just jump in. Shorthand for, for this movie. Yeah. Which, uh, by the way, Graham, I'm still waiting for you to make a, a short called um, stomach vagina. So get on that. Yeah, man. It's cool that you mentioned Graham. I actually was going to mention him too, because I cannot believe he did not pick this movie for fear of losing your mind week. Um, because this is one of the craziest l- movies about losing your mind I think I've ever seen. Um, I, and well, it's, I mean, with all of the movies that we talked about, it's really hard to narrow them down. That's true. That's true. So, well, and it just—it's it, one of those things too, where it's like obviously was an influence on Sequence Break. Oh yeah. Um. So, and the fact that Graham made that movie—I don't know—it was surprising that after watching this, that he didn't pick that one. But maybe he just thought that was too obvious of a pick. Yeah, or it might have been he, too on the nose. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. Um, I also think that James Woods is fantastic in this movie. Like he's an actor that I, I think he's really underappreciated as an actor. I really think he's a terrible person in real life. Like he is such a jerk in real life, but setting that part aside, (laughs) sure. Which, I mean, I guess that's probably part of the reason why he's so good in this movie, because he is playing like a sleazy kind of TV exec who just wants to like throw as much filth and crap as they can get away with on the TV, because that's that's the new thing. That's what everybody's looking for. But he's also a really complicated character. Like you you only get it in snippets. But the scene um, the scene that I feel like tells so much about the movie and like is is one of, I think, the main talking points is um, at one point he's talking about Videodrome and uh, someone's saying, like, how can you watch this? It's just, you know, basically murder. And he said, better on the screen than on the streets. Yeah. And, like, that—that that is such a huge thing in terms of, like, when talking about sex and violence in the media, you know, how much should you show? Is it okay? Is it catharsis? Or is it actually contributing to what people are doing? Yeah, the movie really tackles that head on. And I find that to be yeah. a very fascinating aspect of the movie because... First of all, it's interesting that David Cronenberg is tackling a topic like this, and he doesn't seem to have any kind of judgment one way or the other. And that's interesting because... I think he has judgments both ways. Well, yeah. I mean, I do. I guess that's that's kind of... It's not that he doesn't choose. He just thinks that both sides have a point. And yeah. it's interesting because he is a, a filmmaker who is very controversial. Like, he deals with violence and 
mutilation and fetishism in a very uncompromising way. And so it's interesting to see that he kind of acknowledges like, yeah, maybe this isn't something that people should consume, but also, I don't know. It's, I don't know if that's necessarily what he's trying to say, but I, I think that's part of what he was trying to say with, with video drum at least. Yeah. And I mean, like we've talked about this a little bit just in horror about horror in general of one of the things that we love so much about horror movies is it takes these topics that are so taboo, but a part of everyday life and it shows the dark and gritty side of it. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like an action movie where people go out killing each other and then, you know, there's happy music at the end and you cheer for the hero. It's yeah. like, no, like people have died and it's dark and it's sad and it's not supposed to have a happy ending. And and that's one of the things that I love so much about horror movies is it shows you more of the reality side of it. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> And even though this movie was very fantastical and unreal, the things that were being shown were like, man, that that is so real and it's so on the nose. I mean, even down to um, the the like homeless shelter for TV. Oh my gosh, that is so crazy! Like I yeah. I love that scene, and it's interesting that they don't even really focus on it much. It's just kind of incidental. Like there just happens to be like this is just the reality that they live in, where it's like they bring homeless people off the streets, and rather than providing them with like food or necessities or whatever they have them sit down in a cubicle and watch TV because TV, like there's a there's a great line where it says something like, oh, the TV connects them back to reality or something yeah. like that. And I just, I find that fascinating because like you're taking them out of the real world and putting this whatever you want to put in front of them. Like it's obviously not reality, but that's what they perceive as reality in a way. Yeah, and like, I mean, the entire it, movie is what's real, what isn't, what is more real, actual life or TV life, and... Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think that he was very intentionally saying sex and violence is contributing to where things currently are, mm-hmm. and I think that, like, personally, I think that's part of why Cronenberg does go so far in what he shows, is it's not trying to glorify it. Like, that's yeah. one of the things about body horror is it's ugly. Yeah. Like there's nothing pretty about body horror. And seeing it and seeing how disgusting and grimy and just kind of cringeworthy it is, you you shouldn't watch body horror and think that it's beautiful. Like you shouldn't watch it and think, oh, this is fun. It's supposed to make you feel uneasy. Yeah. And so I think that that's, I, I think that he was trying to get some of that message across yeah like i mean i don't know but that's it, that's what i took from it it's a, yeah i mean I, I definitely see that it's it's a fascinating kind of paradox though that like yeah these things are contributing to the decay of society so here let me just like totally confront you with it um i don't know i, I find that really interesting yeah and i mean I, that's that is a huge thing of body horror is showing the decay mm-hmm. and uh, yeah god this movie this movie yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a lot of movie. Um, so yeah, anyway, James Woods, he's oh, he's fantastic. Like, there's just something about him that's re- very compelling to me, mm-hmm. and that he can play these like sleazy, awful characters, but also kind of you can be kind of sympathetic toward them in a way. And I don't know, he's just he's he's a very unusual leading man. Like, he's not a pretty actor. Yeah. Um, I I just I I like that about him, and also Debbie Harry, 
from Blondie is really good <laughs> in this movie. I'm surprised she hasn't. I mean, I don't know how many other movies. This is the only movie I've ever seen her in. She she's been in other things because I was actually looking that up uh, before we started recording. She has been. I mean, even if it's just been bit parts, um, she was in Hairspray and Tales from the Dark Side and Ready Player One. Wait, no, that's she just was, the music. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, sorry, looking at the soundtrack side. Uh, she's been in other things. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. I like that. And Not it also kind of adds this other layer of connecting to media in the real world. I think that's kind of interesting. Also, it's funny because they got Blondie and they made her a redhead. <laughs> thought that was interesting. Right. Don't know why, but yeah, yeah. I, I really dug the acting. Um, there were, there were a few characters that I think were either a little underdeveloped or underutilized, um, but I think that all of them played their role pretty solid. Um, They're all, even all, all of the, I can't talk today. This is 59 days of podcasting. <laughs> That's what it'll do to you. Right. Um, a lot of the supporting characters, even though they don't have a lot of screen time or they aren't very well developed, they're just they have little quirks about them that make them very memorable. Yeah. Um, so like I still, like I love um, Harlan, the uh, the guy that is like picking up the signal for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was, he was a really James good Woods. character. He's really good. Yeah. The, one thing that I would say technically that is not a glowing recommendation of this movie. There are some unresolved issues there. There are a lot of loose ends that you have no idea what happens. Mm. Um, but they aren't important. Like it's not about those loose ends. It's about James Woods and his slow descent into madness question mark or reality. Yeah. We don't know. Interesting. So yeah, aside from, uh, but even with his story, there's still some, uh, some kind of loose ends. I like that about it though. Cause the movie just keeps getting more and more surreal as it goes on. And I like that it doesn't like that. It leaves some of those things dangling and that you really don't know. Like, but I feel like it's one of those movies too, where almost every line in this movie can be read a number of different ways. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's just like a lot of power packed into everything. Like there's so many, di- like, again, like with that line where it's just like, yeah, TV plugs them back into reality. Like, it makes sense in the context of the movie. Like that's just what they're doing. But then you can like think about like what that really means in like reality, like the way that we use TV to, or in a modern context, it'd be like social media to yeah, just any sort of media. Yeah. I mean, um, anyway, like, I don't know where I'm going with that. Well, my I, mind's I all think... over the place. There's so much to process this movie. Well, and some of that is more in the emotional side for me. Um, like even the fact that as we were recording, my hard drive is trying to recover, but <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll get into like why that's relevant in just a second. Um, it, yeah, there there are some loose ends, but but it doesn't really matter because it doesn't really detract from the story. And if anything, it actually adds to the what's real and what isn't. Yeah, exactly. Because as things just kind of fade away, you get more and more uh, just very strictly involved in James Woods's character. So if these other people aren't part of his direct interaction, they just kind of fade away, Um, Mm. which, yeah, maybe it's a flaw. Maybe it's intentional. I don't know. Either way, it doesn't detract from the overall message and the overall enjoyment from the movie. Yeah. To me, at least. Uh, I totally agree. We we already touched on the practical effects. They're amazing. Um, the, the music music's really really excellent love the music and there are some themes that reminded me a lot of escape from new york especially mm. towards the end 
like as I was hearing it, I was like, I just want to go rewatch Escape from New York now. Well, like it was that similar to me. And it's cool because the music kind of thematically connects because it starts off just like as a very, you know, kind of normal orchestral piece. And then it slowly seems to get more and more synthesized as the movie goes on. And I thought that was brilliant. Like yeah. that, it, it works so well. Well, and there's not a ton of music. There's not and a lot. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't really overwhelm you. It's something that I had to really kind of try and pay attention to. Um, it really blends very well with everything that's going on in the movie. Yeah, and like I don't really remember any like e- even um, just kind of atmospheric music, like being at a bar and having some music playing. There's not a whole lot going on. Yeah. So the music is very very minimal. Um, but uh, but yeah, when when it's there. I, I think that it really adds to the overall feel of things. Uh, it, it, this movie's not scary, but it's kind of terrifying. Yeah. It's kind of heartbreaking. It's for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little too, a little too real. It's really not scary. It is definitely creepy and like just, it's, it's the kind of movie that will, that's really going to gross you out. Even for people like us who watch a lot of these kind of movies, it's, it's really unnerving in a very kind of cerebral way, I guess. It's scary it's, on a societal level yeah. rather than on a personal level. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's go ahead and dive into the emotional. Uh, how, how did this movie hit you emotionally? It's taken me some time to, <laughs> to really process, again, how I feel about this movie, but... I'm going to say that I think it's probably one of the best movies about going insane I've ever seen because it touches on something that practically everyone, like it's rooted in something that affects everyone and that's yeah. media consumption. Um, so like it's it's almost about this kind of insanity that everyone has experienced but that goes unnoticed. Like if you think about how weird it is that... <sighs> Like in the movie, it's really about television and video, but if you substitute those formats for things like um, social media or the internet or 24-hour news cycle, then everything in the movie kind of works even better than it does like talking about video. Like that's how the movie kind of gets even better with age. Like it's a very prescient kind of film. Um, One thing that really sticks out to me is there's a line where uh, Dr. Oblivion or whatever talks about (laughs) how like, yeah, I only Such appear. I know it's so great, but he's like, yeah, I only appear on television on television, and clearly, Oblivion's not my real name. Um, you know, one day we're all gonna have special names, and it's like, oh yeah, I have a Twitter account called uh-huh. the Chimerican. <laughs> I just thought that was kind of that's kind of funny. Um, I I have been the Gargoyle for like four years. I know. Now. It's, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's that kind of stuff that like it just makes even more sense in a modern context, and it's scary to think about. Like, it's really about how over time media and reality do start to blend like you know you well i mean even just like thinking about how many people don't interact with actual living people right but it's like oh i have this many followers or i have this many people who subscribe to my channel or it's like yeah but do you actually interact with any of them it's like oh yeah you know i tweet daily it's like but that god that's not interaction i mean it is but it's not and yeah it's like social media has become a replacement for genuine social interaction um like it's kind of alarming to think about how much of our days are spent online and like how much we settle for talking to people on facebook rather than actually going and talking to them and like how much we live vicariously through our phones and don't even realize the intangibility of certain interactions like Uh i can be sitting at my desk watching 
a cat video and I'll remember like, hey, I was watching this really funny cat video. Let me tell you about it. So my memory is of the video I watched, not of the fact that I've just been sitting at my desk staring at a black mirror. Yeah. Basically, like it's, I don't know. It's so kind of weird to think about how much of our time is literally just like staring into our laps. Well, and I don't remember if this was said during the movie, but like watching it and as we've been talking about it, uh, especially when you're talking about like how much we consume media, um, are, are we consuming media or is media consuming us? And right. again, especially for the two of us who uh, this is day 59, 50 <laughs> 59 days in a row. I have put out a daily podcast and you've been on like 95% of them. Yeah. You know, I, have we been consuming horror movies or have horror movies been consuming us? us yeah it's definitely yeah and it, like i was gonna say it's a symbiotic relationship but it almost feels parasitic <laughs> at times <laughs> yeah and like we've really been enjoying it and i'm we're gonna talk a little bit more about this probably uh on the retrospective tomorrow but as fun as it's been and as much as we've been enjoying it we've been making sacrifices yeah and like uh, yeah um even though Okay, so I say that I've been putting out uh, daily episodes. There have been several that I've put out after midnight. I was still awake, so I still count it. Mm. But it's like the only re- the only way that I was able to record is like after my wife and son had gone to bed. Yeah. After I had like been a normal person, and it's like okay, I have to get this episode out. It's after midnight. I really should be in bed, but I have to get this done. Mm. And so like. I'm sacrificing sleep. I'm sacrificing interactions. And and again, as amazing as it's been, and the film festivals have been just freaking awesome, there is definitely a huge part of me, especially when I was watching Videodrome, that was like, I, uh, I need to like just turn off every screen for a while and just be with people. Yeah. And I, I felt really bad about it. And, and that's what, again, makes Videodrome so scary is like another thing that it really is about is about that power that mass media has over us. Like, yeah. we, it's such a like it's such a passive pastime to just sit down and watch a movie that we don't realize the kind of control that it has over us. Like and like it, it manipulates us in a way like without like we feel like we're in control, but really we're kind of a slave to the the podcast or you know like these movies that we have to watch we have to find a way to fit it in and we have to change our plans or disappoint our wives or you know, like. <laughs> or disappoint our fellow podcasters sorry i can't record i have to like go be a responsible person well and what makes it even scarier too is like even outside of that kind of stuff is like imagining like thinking about how much we consume and how much it affects us in ways that we don't even realize and by extension like the enormous power and influence that some of these like media corporations have like yeah. one thing that i kept thinking about were um you know those those bombs that were mailed out last week to uh-huh. you know like the obamas and the clintons and you know people who were perceived as opponents of the trump administration and just thinking about like yeah that happened because of like this person read all of these things on the news and he really saw these people as like genuine threats to democracy or whatever. And he was influenced by these people who can literally like the president can literally talk directly to the people in a way via Twitter. And I don't think he, he even realizes the enormous power 
that he has over people. He definitely doesn't. He definitely doesn't. Well, <laughs> and that that's one of the things that I think is so fascinating is, you know, like we somewhat jokingly joke other times like very seriously mm. uh, talk about how much horror movies have been consuming our lives especially over the last couple of months but we're also I think like good and normal people you know we watch some really terrible stuff yeah and it doesn't change who we are you know like we don't have any urge to go out and be violent towards people or to treat women as objects like we don't have those urges other than you know like very very primal like Freudian type of stuff but you know like I, I feel like no matter how much we've watched we're still good people mm -hmm. and I think that part of that is because it is very clearly fake and we yeah. know that it's fake and we're able to watch these movies and analyze them and discuss them and, and appreciate the, the art that goes behind them. But when it comes to news, when it comes to like, this is reality, especially when not everything that is supposed to be real is, is coming across as like real and genuine. Yeah. And which again is, is totally reflected in the movie with yeah. the channel that he picks up. Yeah, so like when you have <laughs> when you have presidential administrations like flat out lying and saying this is the truth when there is very clear evidence to the contrary and people believe it. They are they are letting they are letting this media change how they interact with people. Yeah. And like regardless of where people fall politically this is turning into a political uh, commentary well, now. Well, it's kind of hard not to. With right? The, I mean, the movie is pretty political. And <laughs> very political. Yeah. So, like, regardless of where you fall politically, there is no arguing that over the last couple of years, there has been an increase in violence and an increase in just the gumption of hate groups to say, hey, we, we feel safe being a hate group. Like, we yeah. can openly express this hate. And, like, people are okay with it. And... Yeah, it's like, hey, we just need to find common ground, everyone. But uh, sometimes that's not the best course of action. Yeah, and like it, it is just mind-boggling at how at how media can impact people. And I, I don't know, it's just so weird that I don't know. I, I I don't exactly know where I'm going with that. There's just so many thoughts that I have of just how does media change who we are. And how, like, there's the stigma of people who watch horror movies like, oh, you watch horror movies, you're probably like some sort of weird sadist. It's like, no, nah, I've actually, like, been a Christian my entire life. Yeah. And, like, I try my best to be good to people around me. And I just enjoy analyzing horror movies. Well, and for us, it but is. then you have this other side of, like, well, Jeebus told me to go bomb people. No, dude, he didn't. <laughs> Sorry, well, I'm, and <laughs> I am getting angry. It's no, it's okay. We're it's. I knew this was gonna happen, but yeah. no, it's interesting to think too, like how permissive media is without being explicit about it. Like yeah. how, how there are just so many things that people process subliminally. Like I mean, nobody said like, "Hey, go bomb, go send a bomb to my political opponents." But the fact that it happened and the fact that this person was clearly like he had the van with all the Trump stickers and everything like he was clearly plugged into all of these media outlets like he felt compelled to do this because of what he saw through media. Yeah. And, and just think like with us, it goes kind of goes back to that argument in the movie about whether it's cathartic or whether it contributes to the decay of society. And like for us 
watching horror movies is very cathartic. Like it allows us to kind of analyze it and parse out these thoughts that we have about certain things. But then for other people who just don't have that kind of cognitive ability to differentiate between reality and <laughs> and media, right. like it is damaging to them. Um, so well, yeah, and, like, and there's a lot of psychological research that does prove what you watch has an impact on you. Mm. So like I can say, oh no, it doesn't affect me, but I also very logically know, of course it does. Mm. You know, like again, there's, there is so much scientific psychological evidence that proves when you watch something violent, you tend to get a little bit more violent. Even yeah. if you're not like going out and actively punching someone, maybe you just have a shorter temper or maybe uh, whatever you get, you get more road rage. You know, it doesn't mean that you want to slam your car into the person in front of you, but maybe you flip them off and yell at them. And yeah. there is plenty of evidence that shows that. And I mean, God, there was a recent shooting, um, um, in was it Philly or Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh. It wasn't Pittsburgh. Was P was it Pittsburgh? It was, I think it was Pittsburgh. Wasn't Pittsburgh it? is where the movie was? Was it? Oh, that's right. That's right. I must be. I'm conflating. <laughs> with... <laughs> but anyways, there was that recent shooting. Oh no, it a... was. It was uh, Pittsburgh. Man, Pittsburgh. Life. Yeah. Stop imitating Whoa. art. This is super weird. God bless. Um. Yeah, so so with a recent shooting, you know, that of course is going to bring up all the conversations of gun violence and, you know, why do people do the things that they do? And thankfully this one, not even thankfully, it's terrible. All of them are terrible. Looking at the history of shootings, especially school shootings, a lot of times kids are influenced by the violence that they see. I mean, even, um, even back with Columbine, if I remember correctly, like, they directly said that they were influenced by natural born killers. Yeah. It, 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 and then there was definitely something, I don't remember if it was Columbine or not, but there have, there were shootings influenced by natural born killers with Columbine. I think it was mostly like people were trying to blame Marilyn Manson Yeah, for a lot of that. But like with natural born killers, I've seen that movie and that movie is very clearly a satire yeah. of how terrible violence is. Like it's mm. not glorifying it. It's trying to present it as, no media or not even media people turn rebels into heroes yeah but real quote-unquote rebels and natural born killers they are terrible people it's not glorified it's not turning them into heroes it's no these are these people are doing vile things but somehow like the country is glorifying rather than vilifying them it is a satire it is yeah. trying to directly show why violence is so terrible. It just happens to do it in a very hyper violent uh, manner, which you kind of have to, I think like, otherwise the point isn't really going to be made. Yeah. And, and so like even movies like that, it's just, it's a double edged sword because on the one hand, it does point out some of uh, some of the terrible aspects of it and it does demonize it. But when, when people use satire, Satire is not as in your face as other forms. And so when you're trying to do something satirical and trying to present something as if it's being glorified, mm -hmm. satirizing the fact that it shouldn't be, sometimes people watching like, oh, this is what I should glorify. And, yeah. well, and so it does get complicated. And I've been thinking yeah. about this a lot, too. I feel like over the past couple of years, at least since the election, I've learned that there is a significant number of people 
at least in the United States, that have no sense of irony. They just don't understand it. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, like, I can definitely see how you could watch Natural Born Killers and not pick up on the satire and just think, like, oh, these people are awesome. Like, look, they're in a sitcom, and there's a laugh track, and it's really funny what they're doing. Like, that's so cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I can definitely see that. And it's kind of... Videodrome even addresses this a little bit, too, and it's kind of like... At what point should the creator of something that is violent, whether their intentions are good or not, at what point should they be held accountable for the art that they produce? Yeah. And like, I'm somebody who is very, very, very anti-censorship on just about, I have my limits, of course, everybody does, but on just about any level, like I don't agree with censorship whatsoever. I believe that people should be free to create whatever they want, but... I mean, there are times where with certain things like this, you have to try to think about like, how is this going to affect people who don't understand it? And I don't know. That's, that's one of those questions that's, that's really difficult to answer. Yeah. It, it is something that I have thought about ever since the first time that I saw natural born killers and heard about how it had influenced people to do such violent things. Um, like even when, when I was back as an undergrad, I did a research paper on that connection and, and I have always been torn on it because like the the film critic side of me is no there shouldn't be censorship because art but then there's the side of me that even long before i was a parent was like but but it does have an impact on people like i i know the psychology behind it and it does directly influence the way that people behave so where is that line between what is created and what is consumed and should something be created if it then isn't allowed to be consumed and like, should we only allow certain people to consume certain media? And if so, like what's the test to determine whether or not they can appreciate the satire or if they're going to take it as like reality. And it has been something that I, I I still go back and forth, like depending on what the subject is, depending on the context, depending on who I'm talking to. It's not that I'm double minded. It's that Life is complicated and you can't reduce something down to binary issues. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. like, like we need to talk about Kevin was an amazing movie and I am so, so glad that I saw it, but it had an impact on me and like, it was really rough to watch. And this was at the beginning of our 60 days, but it was the end of my personal fears week. And so it was like, I, man, this movie is great, Mm. but I don't know how many people I want to actually watch this movie it doesn't glorify violence but it not everyone I I, I don't want to say that it rationalizes it but like you understand more of Kevin Hmm. and seeing the interaction between Kevin and Tilda Swinton it's like was she to blame I mean she wasn't but was she and like it is just such a complicated issue that you can't just say this is what it is. Yeah, I used um, to I used to very much fall on the side of on like the scream logic of movies don't make people serial killers. Movies make killers more creative, right? But I feel like that's a cop out. Yeah, because you can't be somebody who loves movies and talks about it the way that we do and be like, yeah, movies are powerful, are like a powerful machine to generate empathy and to discuss these larger issues. But there's no negative side effect to that. Like, I think that's a huge cop out to just be like, yeah, movies are great. They have, they're <laughs> so powerful. I love them so much. Like, I love art. Yay, art. 
No, of course not. You can't blame a movie for a school shooting. Like, it's definitely more complicated than that. Well, and I I, th- I know that you and I have talked about this. I honestly can't remember if we talked about it on an episode of the podcast or not. Um, but, like, we, we have talked in so many movies or in so many reviews about the music and how much of an impact the music has and, like, how that adds to just kind of being in the moment and how it impacts you emotionally. Um, but then earlier in October when I had the uh, Halloween station playing and, you know, it was like fun kind of campy songs like the spooky, scary skeletons and monster mash and, um, uh, daylight come and like all of these other just kind of fun songs. And then it got to the Halloween soundtrack and, and my son was in the room with me because, you know, of course he was. And, and I hear the D D D D D D D D and I'm just like this, Mm, there's no words to this, but I don't feel comfortable with my son listening to the soundtrack to Halloween mm-hmm. at two or three months old. He hasn't seen the movie. He doesn't understand the context. He doesn't understand why it's creepy. But I thought about when we talk about Halloween and how that music adds to how creepy the movie is. Yeah. And it was just like music, music is an emotion. Yep. And I, I had to turn it off because I just felt so weird about him listening to piano. Mm. And yeah, so of course it has an impact on us. And it's it's interesting too because like I have also been one of those people who are like, well, you know what? You can't blame the you can't blame the uh, the movie or the music or whatever. Like it's the parents, you know, yeah. where are the parents at. But I also. How many horror movies have we watched in the last two months around yeah, our well, kids? And I also, well, no, I don't ever watch it around the kids, but not, that's not with them there, but like around. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I think that's another cop out because I, I do feel that society should be responsible for each other. Like we as, as civilians, as people of the United States or whatever you want to call it, like we have a responsibility to each other. Yeah we have to treat each other with respect. We have to consider like how our actions affect one another. So at the same time, like I always want to be like, Hey, yeah, it's the parents. I mean, you can't, you can't blame this or that because it has to be, you have to think about what the parent, where are the parents at? Yeah. Um, But, but parenting is hard. Parenting is difficult. And I don't know, like it's one of those, like there are a lot of parents who are super overprotective and like, yeah, you can't watch this or that. And that can be damaging in and of itself to shelter your children from certain things that you find objectionable. And so even it's even a cop out to say like where the parents at, because you know what? A lot of these parents are doing the best that they can. And I don't know, like it's, it's such a complicated issue. And this movie getting back to the movie, (laughs) we are talking about a movie, right? Yeah. I was just about to say, um, because we've been, we've been talking about this one for a while this is the emotional response of Videodrome, a movie that is 35 years old, is still so still so relevant, and the themes are still so powerful that we have spent probably, I'd say a good 15, 20 minutes, talking about other societal issues mm. just from watching a movie. It spurns all of these other, well, here's why it matters so much. Like, that's been our emotional response to it. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was kind of creepy. Some of the special effects were uh, kind of just cringe-worthy. Um, it, it wasn't really scary. Loved it as a movie, but 
man, this movie, even for being 35 years old, it still brings about all of these very real, very timely, unfortunately, very present conversations that mm. still need to be had. Yeah. I, like, I think this movie is fantastic. And it's it's interesting to see, like, it's... <sighs> It's weird to even give it credit for so much for this much because clearly a lot of the stuff that we're talking about right now isn't even something that they necessarily had in mind. Like it's impossible to predict the future and where technology would have taken us, but like it's like it is shocking how relevant it is and how topical it seems to be. So like yeah. I, I do give the movie credit for that. Like I do think it's a masterpiece, honestly. Like I think it's brilliant. It's just kind of weird to look at it retroactively as a masterpiece. Like, I wonder if I would have felt the same way watching it when it came out. And I, maybe, I like, think I feel so. like you could watch I mean, it and think like, oh, this is ridiculous. Clearly that's never going to happen. But I mean, it's, I feel like it's predicted things in a lot of ways. Like you could read it in so many different ways that, and maybe it's just because of how surreal it is and how you can read it. Like it's deliberately very open-ended. So you can kind of put in almost any kind of issue and into the film in a way and, it could examine it through the themes of the movie, I guess, but I don't know. Anyway, I don't know where I'm going with it. I can't, it just, this movie just makes me think. Yeah. <laughs> and it takes, takes me, it takes time to really try and figure out how I feel about it or how I feel about certain things that this movie has triggered. Yeah. Well, and like this, this will probably be the last thing because we need to uh, yeah, wrap, wrap this episode up. up. <laughs> The movie is very, very clearly about sex and violence, and probably no scene shows that better than when he's sticking a gun, which is just almost always representative of a phallus, yeah. sticking a gun into the stomach vagina. Like, that is literal sex and violence. Yeah. But even though that is the, sort of the driving force behind this movie, and there is nudity in it, the sex scenes aren't sexy. Like, the no, sex scenes are... Like they're they're weird. Um, I mean, even the <laughs> not weird, just like they're weird. But they're weird though. I mean, they they, really they are. are weird. Um, but like when they're watching uh the video at the very beginning, and it's just like some soft core stuff. Like it's it's almost like it's so mundane for them. It's like okay, it's boring. Where's the excitement? And yeah. so even when they're showing that, it's not being presented as titillating. And then when you have James Woods and Debbie Harry and like some pseudo S and M type of stuff going yeah. on. It, like, it is a sex scene, and so there's kind of supposed to be a little bit of eroticism, but it so quickly goes into, uh, this is a bit unnatural, mm. that I, I don't feel like that scene is supposed to be like, yeah, boobies. It's just like, that. No, huh, you're, fo you're not it, focusing on the fact that they're having sex at all, really. Like, it's it's there, and you're like, oh, okay, cool, sex Wait, what is going on here? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, so, like, the sex, even though it is a driving force, isn't being presented as glorifying it. And the violence, which, even though I, I was not expecting some of the things to happen, especially, like, the content of the video of Videodrome, yeah. I had no idea what it was. And so, actually seeing it for the first time, I was like, whoa, what? Ooh, this this is unsettling. Yeah, it really is. The violence is presented in such a way where, again, I don't feel like it's glorifying it. Even everyone trying to say to James Woods, like, no, this is real. This is dangerous. This is harmful. And he's like, well, whatever. It's better on the screen than on the streets. Yeah. But it's like, but it was real. And yeah, so even with the violence, I don't feel like it's glorifying it. I feel like it's pointing out this is real and this is how harmful it can be. Yeah. 
Yeah. Especially if you don't take the threat of it seriously. Yeah. If you just think it's whatever, it's just on the screen, don't worry about it. Yeah. This this movie is absolutely amazing. So timely. And um, it's, a, it's a huge rabbit hole of a movie that can just get you into so many other issues or a, a stomach vagina of a yeah. movie like it, it, <laughs> that because that thing just seems like an endless void or something. I don't know. I'm Mary Poppins sandbag. <laughs> so earlier when I when I mentioned my hard drive uh, and I was like, OK, I'm going to come back to that. Um, my hard drive kind of crashed. I it's it's trying to recover and I. I really hope that it recovers. I will be so sad. Not just because it has like some of the podcast stuff, podcast stuff on it or like videos from uh, various conventions. I don't care about any of that stuff. It has like family photos and things that I care about, but I don't know what photos are on there. I just know that if my hard drive is truly dead and if it can't like auto recover, I will have lost all of these memories and relating it to Videodrome that I don't remember that I have. Yeah. Like I know that I will have lost things, but I don't know specifically what pictures were on there. And so it's just so weird that rather than having like rather than having actual memories, it's like I don't have to remember. I have a photo. Yeah. And so even again just that uh, that interaction between reality and how we consume media and how media consumes us. I mean our our cell phones. How many people like when they go to a concert aren't listening to the music or enjoying the show. They have their cell phone up. Oh, I know. I'm always like, I talk about this so much with Allie and like, especially with my, my in-laws that like anytime we go on vacations together or whatever, it's like, Hey, let's go play on the beach. But first let's pose for 30 minutes while we take all these pictures because we need to make memories. Yeah. And it's like, no, we're not making memories. We are posing for a photo. So you can look at the picture and just, put whatever kind of memory like like usually when i look at pictures now i i think about like oh my god that was fucking horrible we wasted so much time trying to get this perfect to yeah. create a false memory of something yeah and, or, or like if you're not having a good time on vacation but it's like we we need to post something to facebook everybody smile yeah and like you're posting what you want people to think exactly and so like that's why i've become despite the fact that like i have done this podcast and it's been consuming me and i've been <laughs> on my phone a lot more than usual lately like i i'm one of those people who i try to put those things away like when we're doing something fun or we're, we're on vacation or something like i almost feel bad because i don't post a lot of pictures of my kids and stuff on facebook or on twitter and i post a lot of stuff about like the podcast and stuff which makes yeah. me feel bad but at the same time it's like when i'm with my kids i'm just trying to enjoy my time with my kids like well i'm not I... worried about taking their picture and making them pose and making them like because they always get super frustrated when we try to do something to, and try to make it perfect. And then I have to post it and everybody's like, oh, that's so cute. And I'm like, oh, thank you. It's like, I don't give a shit about that. Like, <laughs> I just want to have fun with my kids. Yeah. Well, like, even though I've been posting a lot of pictures of my son, uh, like on my personal account. <clears throat> oh, I totally did it when my kids are which, babies. So I'm not blaming anybody who loves well, no, to do no, that no. stuff. Like, but... Even though I'm doing that, <clears throat> like, I think about when he starts getting older. I'm probably not going to post after a certain age because it's like, I don't want the internet to know everything about my yeah, kid. Yeah, that too. So like, I, I, I get it. Like right now he is freaking adorable and like he we is. have family that doesn't live here. And so, you know, we want them to, to experience some of him just as an adorable little baby. But it's like, as he starts getting older, I don't, I don't want people out there to have access to these photos, even though it's on my private accounts, it still is like it's in the internet. 
Nothing yeah. is safe in the internet. If I post it, someone can find it. And <clears throat> and there's like, so many I, I just don't track yeah. your location and stuff too. Like people, it, like there's so many, you hear all these stories about like somebody was like, hey, look, we're at the park right now having fun. And then it's like somebody who was looking for them found them at the park because they posted about it on Facebook. Yeah. And well, like that's why I try, sometimes I forget, but I try my best to never post while I'm at a thing. I post when I get back. After, had yeah. such a had such a great time doing blah. So um, like before Neil was born, Justin and I went on a little mini vacation. A it wasn't quite a staycation uh, because we did leave town, but like you know we just went up to Gatlinburg for a little bit. Yeah. Um, we took a ton of pictures, and I didn't post a single one till after I got back. Well, and, and then I was like, all right, now that I'm home, you're about to have a flood of pictures. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and people were like, oh, it looks like you're having such a great time. It's like, no, we had a great time. We're already back. Mm. I didn't want to post that our place was empty for two days. Well, you know? and it was funny, too, because when Neil was born, like, there wasn't anything like, hey, going to the hospital, about to have a baby. It was like, hey, Neil's here, everyone. And I was like, <laughs> holy right. shit, he's already been born. Like, whoa. <laughs> well, I didn't, want to, I didn't want everyone to know where we were or what was happening. Mm-hmm. In fact, I almost didn't want to text people. Uh, <laughs> Jess was not cool with that. She's like, no, we have to at least let our family know. You like, texted me. That's so Can't sweet. we just like let people know after the fact? She's like, no. It's all right. <laughs> we'll let people know. Yeah, it's terrible when you're in the hospital and everybody's showing up and it's like, guys, we just, we've been up for like 48 hours. Like, let us rest. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it, it is exhausting. <laughs> we love you, family. They don't we listen do. to this podcast. It's That's okay. true. They're not. They're especially not going to make it this far into the no. video drum video drum review. We start talking about stomach vaginas. Like, what the hell is wrong with those <laughs> two? Like, uh, there's a reason we didn't visit these people when the baby was born. <laughs> That's not where babies come from. <laughs> it is where nightmares come from. Yes, it is. All right. How rewatchable is video drum? I actually think that, despite how disturbing this movie is, it is tremendously rewatchable. Like, it is. First of all, I think it's pretty entertaining just like on a just like as a movie despite all of the like themes that you can dive into. Like even if you don't engage on with the movie on that level, like it is very entertaining especially if you like surreal films like yeah. that have a kind of dream logic to them. I I find that stuff fascinating. Um but yeah, there's just there's so many ideas and there's so much in this movie that's open to interpretation that like I want to keep watching it over and over again and keep analyzing it and see what else it has to say because I know like again there there are a few lines and things that I picked up on that I was like, "Oh, there's a lot more going on here than what you might think." And I know there's a ton of stuff that I missed or that I like briefly kind of caught on to like, "Oh, that's an interesting idea that I just want to go back and pour over every frame of the movie like this is i almost and i don't really but i almost wish that i was still in college so i could write a paper (laughs) about this movie because i just find it so grad school man yeah maybe maybe let's let's go to film school okay let's do that yeah you're paying for it right no with the podcast money (laughs) (laughs) that's funny you're funny but no like i it is a movie that i find just absolutely fascinating and i want to watch it over and over again but I doubt most people will feel that way yeah. because it is such a hard movie to watch at times. It is very disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the rewatch it's weird. I mean, most people are just oh, going to watch super this. weird. Most people are going to watch the movie and they're, they're not, even, they're probably not going to think it's disturbing. They're going to be like, this is just weird. Like I'm not into this at all. Yeah. The, uh, uh, video is rewatchable to me 
in the sense that it's 35 years old and still so relevant. So it's super rewatchable because like those themes are still present and, and they still need to be addressed, dissected and, and, and prodded. And so like, yeah, this movie is super rewatchable and maybe not necessarily on like a daily or weekly basis. Yeah, no, but it, it's rewatchable on a very cerebral basis. Mm-hmm. So like if you want to, you can watch it with your mind turned off, but I feel like this is the kind of movie that you need to watch when you are actively wanting to like think about things. I feel like even if you tried to watch it with your mind turned off, the movie's going to literally reach out of the screen like it does in the movie and flip your mind back on, <laughs> like flip that switch because, or if you watch it with your mind off, it's going to get into your mind even easier yeah, because you have yeah, no defenses yeah. up. That's, that's probably probably very true i don't know this movie works on so many levels it's just weird it it was literally the best possible movie that we could have ended. No, not totally only this week so. but this entire run on i know i almost wanted to i was like at first i was like man we should have ended with rosemary's baby like that's no. a big iconic movie or whatever and then now that we did this i'm like no this is perfect yeah well and rosemary's baby is so old and not that that's a bad thing but like the time that we were growing up in and the types of movies that we enjoy, I feel like Videodrome should have been something that we caught a lot earlier. Oh, I know. Yeah. Rosemary's Baby, as wonderful as it is, I feel like it's easier to be like, oh, yeah, I, you know, it'd be like someone who still hasn't seen Sound of Music. Yeah. It's just like, well, you know, I sure, I get it. It's an old movie. It's a long movie. It's great. It's iconic. It is amazing. Julie Andrews is just heartwarming in every possible way. How could you not have seen Sound of Music? But fine, whatever. I get it. I, I kind of feel like that way with Rosemary's Babe. It's like, yeah, I, I see how we could have missed it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, come on. An 80s Cronenberg body horror about the evils of sex and violence. <laughs> totally right up our alley. Right? It's perfect fodder for the podcast. I know, right? All right, who do you recommend? Did we did we say that? No, we haven't done recommend. Okay, who do you recommend it for? Um, definitely not everyone. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I think it goes without saying, like, if you like Cronenberg movies and you haven't seen it, then you totally need to watch this movie because it deals with a lot of the same kind of themes and stuff that he... And, of course, within the same body horror genre that he's famous for. Like, if you talk about body horror, he's 99% of the time the first person. I can't even think of any other person off the top of my head right now that's synonymous with this genre like Cronenberg is the the thing well yeah but Carpenter himself isn't synonymous with body horror but I guess if you're just talking about movie anyway Cronenberg if you <laughs> <laughs> trying to stay on track <laughs> that is impossible for us watch watch it if you like Cronenberg um I would actually recommend this movie for people who if you have a stomach for it hey um, but also <laughs> god damn it <laughs> If you have a stomach vagina for it. I did not even plan that pun in advance. put this movie straight in there. (laughs) I was going to say, if you like movies that are about about, um, mass media, like um, Network, the Sidney Lumet movie, or uh, Truman Show, or Nightcrawler, the Jake Gyllenhaal movie, um, if you like those kind of movies and you're fascinated by that subject, but you also love horror and surrealism, then you absolutely have to see Videodrome. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Along with all of those things, which totally agree with, um, anyone who likes to think about and analyze and discuss movies this I, again we the vast majority of this episode has been discussing the themes not even necessarily the movie itself so 
if you like having conversations about movies and like you know what they represent and just kind of diving into them definitely recommend it for you um i i recommend it for the type of person who likes reading vonnegut and salvador dali art oh yeah i'm i almost i meant to write down vonnegut but then i had to come down here to podcast so sure <laughs> but no it, it does remind me a lot of vonnegut because it does have kind of a satirical bite to it yeah, um, but it's. I don't know if I would categorize it as a satire. I mean, I guess it is. I I would, but then with some of that like disturbingly absurd imagery of Dolly. Like everyone's familiar with Dolly's yeah. clocks, but some of his stuff gets weird. So if you like the weirder stuff of Dolly, um, then and and the reason I'm going with Vonnegut and Dolly is because I mean those are pretty big name um, writers and artists. So you don't even have to get too obscure to be like would i like it no you, i think those are good those are great analogs yeah i mean you do have to enjoy horror you do have to be able to to get past some of the sex and violence because that is driving themes behind it and watching a movie can be different from uh reading a book because you're actually seeing it rather than just having to think about it and it's different from uh, a painting because it's real people who are doing these things even though they're acting it's real people rather than just a, a painting on a canvas so it does elicit different reactions you know which is why people can look at um like any of the botticelli paintings and be like oh these are beautiful and masterpieces and then any sort of photography that has any nudity whatsoever, it's like porn. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> not always. Sometimes it's art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nudity. And, you know. It's a very natural state. I yeah. mean, it's, it's such a weird thing to me how people get so up in arms over nudity. Yeah. But, but violence is totally Like cool. we were talking about with the blob. Yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, it's so weird. Yes, as long as there's not sex or anything bad in there. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so if if you like Vonnegut, if you like Dolly, and you can get past the fact that there are real people acting in this movie, and so you're seeing like real people rather than just a painting, then then I think that you would uh, also enjoy Videodrome. Got to be in the right headspace for it, though. Yeah. Don't don't watch it at the end of sixty days. Or do. Or do, and then like feel super guilty about the last couple of months. Yep. <laughs> yeah this movie's amazing all right where do you want people to find you uh, on twitter <laughs> at American. where do you want people uh, to consume your media <laughs> on um uh, instagram at chimerican reviews on my personal twitter account at eric j a y harris and on letterboxd at eric j a y and you can follow me on Facebook and on Instagram at The Gargoyle Podcast, on Twitter at Gargoyle Podcast, and on Letterboxd at The Gargoyle. And if you enjoyed this episode or any of the episodes that we've done for the last couple of months, uh, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or Anchor.fm. Um, and if you have been enjoying it, let us know. Leave some comments. Leave some feedback. Let us know what scares you. Let us know what you would put in a week of um, movies devoted to your fears and what palate cleanser you would include at the end. And Halloween is in a couple of days. So um, enjoy what horror movies you can until then. And then keep enjoying horror movies. Horror movies can be a lot of fun. Just, you know, keep it in check. Don't don't go too crazy. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. I think that's it. All, all of the film fests are over, so I can't keep promoting them. 
the Chattanooga Film Fest is going to be in April, so start looking out for that. It probably won't be too much longer until you start seeing um, little snippets coming out from uh, from Chat Film Fest. And support Central Cinema in Knoxville. It's an amazing theater, playing some amazing movies. They are going to get back to non-horror movies um, as soon as October is over. They're doing November. They're doing November, which, which is, is pretty is, awesome. <laughs> I love that. It's so great. Uh, yeah, so like, if you like classic mystery noir films, um, go watch them in a theater at Central Cinema. I, I want to so bad. Yeah, I, I wish that I had like a time traveling machine or just like a, a interdimensional portal to where I could just like step through it and be in Knoxville. Oh, you mean like the one in the fly? Not like that one. <laughs> that one, I mean, it works because I don't want to turn into a movie, which is <laughs> which is what would happen. I would just much like in Videodrome. Yeah, just ooey gooey movie consumption. Yeah, that would be awesome. No, it should be a doc. You should create this and then make a documentary, no. and then they'd play it at Central Cinema. No, or maybe, maybe. I should. <laughs> It'll just be Videodrome Part Two. Uh, lost in my shorts, because it would be a horror short. Yes, I yeah. love it. <laughs> it took me a second, but I get it. Yeah, uh, and be sure to come back tomorrow as Eric and I spend even more time talking about talking about movies, where we do our sixty-day retrospective and. We, we promise that the entire episode isn't just going to be us talking about, you know, the th- same things that we talked about today. It, it'll it be a uh, slightly different. I'm sure that some of the themes from today are going to come back up, especially just bit. that overconsumption of horror movies. Um, but yeah, then we'll also do some uh, some Gargoyle Awards. Which yeah, can't wait. We should probably get started on that. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we have the categories already and stuff, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Total definitely. lies. What was that? <laughs> See, I come back tomorrow for a 60-day retrospective, and then we're going to take a little bit of a break. Probably not too long. It might only be like a week or two. Yeah. Or it might be a month or two. Honestly, I don't know. We we might jump straight into a weekly podcast, or we might take off until the new year. <laughs> really Video not sure. Has, has wrecked our plans. It, it definitely shaped them. But I also love talking about movies. Yeah. So We'll be back. Yeah. The gargoyle and the American. American will return. Yeah, we're we're not going away forever. Maybe by tomorrow we'll have a better sense. When, when once we, uh, we are distance. talking about things, not immediately after viewing video drama, <laughs> we might be like, okay, yeah, here's our plan. Here's what we're gonna get back into. But uh, yeah, we're we're not gone forever. Just a very slight break after tomorrow. Come back tomorrow. More discussion of discussions. All right. That's been it for this episode of the Gargoyle Podcast. I'm Nathan, a.k.a. the Gargoyle. And I'm Eric, a.k.a. the Chimerican. And remember, kids, enjoy consuming media, but do not let it consume you. Long live the new flesh. <laughs> Long live the new podcast. No? Yeah, I like it. Okay. It works. Yeah. It will be a new podcast, really. Yeah, because it, it's not going to be just horror movies. It'll probably be a lot of horror movies still, though. Yeah. I mean, even, even thinking like, hey, we're going to watch some Christmas movies. Like Krampus, Krampus and Black Christmas yeah. and Silent Light, Deadly Night and Gremlins and Home Alone. Home Alone is totally a horror movie. And Jack Frost and Home Alone. Yeah, and Home Alone and Home Alone Two. Maybe but there there will be parts of that one that we have to skip past. And Home Alone Three because it has the orange devil in it. What? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. that's funny. I was like, Orange Devil, what the fuck version of Home Alone 2 did you watch? You know, the same one that everyone watched. 
<sighs> well, all right. Get out there, enjoy some horror movies, but like seriously, don't over enjoy them. Interact with real people. Be kind to each other. But don't don't be a dick. Yeah, that's kind of my life motto. Don't be a dick. Yeah. And, and long live the new flesh. And Halloween is in two days, so oh, yes. make sure you got your costumes ready. You, you know what you're going to be? Dead tired. <laughs> that, you think that's a joke? That's a, That was actually a costume I, I did this weekend. We went to a Halloween party, and Allie and I were both dead tired. So, like, were you uh, tires with um, <laughs> police tape around you? No, we were... <laughs> Allie was wearing like a bathrobe and looked like a zombie. We basically just looked like zombies, but like disheveled. Sure. Because we were tired and also dead. Sure. It was great. Sure. Jess and I still have to work on our costumes and on Neil's costume. I was going to say, what's Neil going to be? Well, uh, if if we're able to get this pulled off, we're going to go as Richie and Margot Tenenbaum. Ooh, nice. And Neil is going to be Mordecai. Which one was Mordecai? The hawk. (laughs) <laughs> right oh man that's awesome i was right? i was expecting like uh one of ben stiller's kids in the little jumpsuit no but that that's even that's so much better yeah that's awesome if if we can pull it off it's gonna be great all right we've rambled on for far too long go enjoy horror movies go enjoy interacting with real people seriously be nice to each other be be the good in the world and go vote and go vote yeah. and be good or, you know, like Bill and Ted, be excellent to each other. What? It's a great life motto. Oh, I'm sorry. I just tried to drink my drink and the lid was still on it. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't notice. <laughs> Bye. It is a good motto, though. Right? <laughs>